3.5 million fake bank accounts. And the reason that happened is the leadership was putting so much pressure for results, it was unrealistic. No one could get the metrics. They were upset with them, they were yelling at them, they were saying, if you don't do this, you're replaceable. Things like that, they aren't great. It's a little good culture. So what happened is when people were struggling, they'd never tell leadership. When people didn't know what to do or how technically to be better, they wouldn't tell leadership because they're gonna get their, their head rip off, basically. You know, and so that name game, when you do it with your teams, it really helps you understand where your people fit in. And you can also see if you have what your culture's like. Your culture of your team will be dis will be shown on that name game because it's how everyone naturally does it and they don't know what's going on. And a lot of times what you'll have is you'll have a couple really outspoken people kind of like almost forcing the group one direction. And you have kind of the quiet people who figured it out, but they're kind of scared to speak up. And this idea of having trusting teams in the infinite games to get those people to speak up and learn and coach people when they should say things and, and have the outspoken people, not in this case, um, you know, but basically, you know, kind of reel it back and like listen a little bit more. So that's a really good thing that you can do. And that's how you can help start build a trusting team. So, okay. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to go over real quick the club, the club goals, mission, why the heck we're starting this, why we're here. Um, and then we'll actually go through the actual book and we can't hit every chapter uh, at all. So we're not going to go through every single chapter, but I'm going to highlight basically the application. Who, who in here read the book? Listen it for cover for cover. Heather, you've read this book? Okay. Oh, perfect. That's great. Okay. Who read like a couple chapters? Like anybody read a little bit? Okay, sweet. So this a portion of it. Who never, never read the book ever, but it showed up. Great. That's good too. There was a book. Yes. That's okay. That's okay. So, so the reason I started this club, um, I've been, most of you know my experience, actually all of you know my experience. Everyone here knows kind of my background and I've done door-to-door, -door, I've done door-to-door -door sales for a bunch of years. I was re really good at it. Like I had some percentage one year where I could knock on someone's door and a 58% chance they were letting me in and a 40% chance they were buying like a thousand dollar package in 20 minutes. I was pretty good at it. So, um, so I did that for a bunch of years. I, I've led a bunch of sales teams and had 43, I recruited 43 sales reps by myself. Um, and led groups across the country in two different states and my fitness business with some buddies and hit six figures in like five months or whatever and then do this now and have podcasts and I help Randy start a podcast and I work with Deb and Heather and I work with Megan here, you know, so. Yeah, so I do a bunch of stuff like that. So I have a consulting business, obviously, you know, and it's called Knowledge Gap, so help people reach their goals. So anyway, um, so being in this sort of business field and, and I was in like the ha top half percent and you know, I've always wanted to run businesses, um, there's just a point where you're a business owner and it, it gets kind of lonely sometimes because you're doing some sort of high level stuff and you're like recruiting and leaders and then there's, you know, when you recruit, it's like you can have really great relationships with people, but it's often hard to find peers, you know, that you may bounce off ideas, but when you find that peer and you bounce some ideas, you're like, whoa, business growth like crazy because they're doing something that you were, it was outside of the box for you, but then you applied it. Does that kind of make sense? You, you ever had that happen? So that's the goal of this. That's why we want to come together. We'll have some accountability to read. Um, if you read the book or didn't read the book, um, or you enjoy something from this workshop, like if you got anything out of the first two chapters or this workshop, it mean, and, it, and you implement and implement it into your business as a solution to something, the books existed for 20, like 20 years. It means that the, the solution to your knowledge gap, maybe what you're struggling in business with right now or with that person on your team or whatever it is, it's, it's been there. And so having some accountability to like kick in the butt to actually set aside some time to develop your mind, develop your leadership because your, your limit on your business is how you think, right? So having some accountability, some people were all reading a book, right? So then it's like, oh, I need to read this book because I'm gonna show up. And then you, you know, actually like get some stuff and use it in the business, business grows. You're like, yeah, 
Right? Does that make sense? What'd you say? Yes, the five people rule. You're the average five close friends, right? So that's kind of the idea of why we started this, why we're here today. And I want to help people grow their business. That's how I uh, grow my business. I help people grow their business. It's great. It, it lines right up with, you know, being a servant-hearted leader. And all. So the mission, right, is to bring incredible business owners together to share ideas worth sharing that help business owners and leaders become the best version of themselves in the pursuit of helping others, including their teams, clients, and communities. That's why we're here. That's what we're going to strive to be. That's what we're going to be doing the whole time. So we might start a meeting with this name game little thing you can do with your team but the whole point is everything i'm doing you could do for your team if you wanted to so it's it's a lessons through osmosis whatever hit you i hope you write down and use all, all of the stuff i came up with from the infinite game is from a book i read the infinite game you know i didn't make it up <laughs> you know but i use it in my business all the time and i'll share how i use it and in ways that you can apply it in ways that will help grow your business and even give you some stories of how um, that stuff's blown up my face when I went the opposite direction. Um, so the vision is just like a community, right, where current and future business owners can bridge their knowledge gaps together, right? Building more trusting teams, develop local relationships while learning to grow their businesses sustainably so they can inspire and impact more people. And that sustainable portion is huge because um, one of the biggest issues, we'll say, for business owners is you get way too, you take too much on your plate, you get really overwhelmed, and often you can't think about your just cause, the reason you're doing what the heck you're doing anyway, um, and sometimes it can get lost in distractions, right? So we want to build our businesses to where they work for us instead of us being a slave to the business, right? Okay. Um, our values of this club, and filled, family-focused, we care about God and family, those are like two, two most important things, probably why we're all in business, yes? Yes, right? Okay, sweet, good, I figured. Um, Purpose-driven, so you notice there's an acronym here, can anybody see the acronym? from P down, precision. So we have this acronym precision. I used to do this with my sales team, Daniel. Secretly, everything you do with your business, you do it with precision. We used to have this thing where we see, do you want? Precision, there you go, yes, good, I like it. Okay, so what precision stands for is purpose-driven. So everything that we're doing, there's, there's a reason behind it. We're not just like going out here, just make money. Money to us is, is a fuel, it's not, it's not the goal, right? Everyone agree with that? So that's, we're purpose-driven. We're about helping people, well, we're people-focused. Redefining possible, right? So I was um, talking with a bunch of clients this week and there's a lot of ways to do business and there's lots of times where we'll have this one way of doing something and then someone just says like, well, why don't you use this? <sighs> Opens up a whole new world of possibilities. Right? So always redefining possible. Usually what you think is possible and what you think is impossible is likely jaded. It's not true, right? Agree with that? Other people have probably done something similar and succeeded. So we always want to redefine possible. We're always encouraging others. We're always helping people. We're trying to um, use our tongue for power there. Um, courage to lead. So that's going to be, that's a chapter in the book that we'll go over later. Um, integrity to do what's right. Synergy to work together. Inspiring to help others. Ownership of all results. And we're knowledge seekers. You like that right there? Uh, time we're gonna have like towards the end of it just like five to ten key points because I will read the book even if you don't and I will share the information with you regardless if you read it or not because uh, I want to add value to your life okay um, and, and I'll go through a PowerPoint and just kind of summing up the best part so if you hadn't read the book and you get something you should still read the book trust me it you'll get way more from reading the book than just 30 minutes on it um, you get an invitation via email which I have everybody's email in here I think at this point except for maybe Alex but I'll have a form at the end um, and then, and then that way you'll be up to date. And there's a book club Facebook as well that we'll get everybody in, which I think have it. Rules. Read the book that we select. Don't go AWOL and just read a different book and tell everybody, let's read this book, okay? 
reading the book. Now, if you don't finish, it's okay, still show up. We still love you, it'll be good, okay? Um, even if you've already read it. Best books I've read, that I've read, that I've actually implemented, I've read like three or four times. Um, it's not about how much you know, it's about what you apply. Here at least at once in the meeting, you know, just like talk, be a human, like, you know, when we're doing the name game, whatever, just like talk, be, be here, actually be here, like, okay, friendly, encouraging, don't sell stuff at the meeting, okay. What we're gonna do, we're gonna go through the infinite game, we're gonna go through my favorite chapters. Um, if you wanna take notes and you're a note taker, you're more than welcome to do that. If all you have is your phone, you can take notes on your phone. Um, if you're texting, just try not to make it obvious to hurt my feelings. Um, okay, so. Why, so the infinite and finite mindsets, this is, this is chapter one, this is the most important chapter, and this is gonna run through the entire um, next six or seven, eight, 10 slides, how many I got here, on how these contrast. And if you have a finite mindset, it usually leads to self-destruction, which is great, and we all wanna avoid that. Um, the infinite mindset helps you build a culture and, and a business that's actually gonna sustainably grow instead of getting stuck at certain levels, okay? Um, if you haven't read the book, okay, he usually he uses like a sports analogy for finite, and we're going to use business for infinite. Come to all those who want to contribute. So it's you're opening um, up your organization to the right clients or whatever that want to be a part of whatever your just cause is. Um, it's going to be service oriented for the primary benefit of others, or otherwise, you know, it's about you and it's selfish and egotistical, and so you're not going to be getting the, the right you know uh, audience from it, and people will see through that. It's got to be resilient. It's got to be able to endure change disruptions because it's infinite it's got to be infinite and idealistic bold and ultimately unachievable that's the that's the fun part <laughs> bold and ultimately unachievable okay so um we'll just for time's sake we're just going to show simon Sinek says we imagine a world in which the vast majority of people wake up every single morning inspired feel safe wherever they are and the end of the day are fulfilled by the work that they do which is awesome that's like you know the reason he wrote it that way and this is something i, I agree with 80 percent of people hate their jobs so you know he, so yes Okay, so this next one here is just really how, how does this apply to us, okay, as business owners, as leaders of the organizations? Pretty much everyone here is running their own thing um, or will be one day. And so how this relates is most people think of themselves as a CEO or the business owner, right? And being a business owner and CEO, you have a million hats, right? There's all these things that you're doing. Sometimes you're doing marketing, you're doing the sales, you're leading somebody, you're doing all this kind of stuff. And what he talks about, there's a chapter, you know, three, four chapters in where he talks about the chief vision officer and the chief operating officer. Okay. And this, I think this is the most misunderstood part of business. Um, but a lot of people in here have this kind of set up. And what he's talking about is when the CEO and CEO work together, the business grows if they're all together on the same just cause and it's really clear. Dev and I and Heather just had this conversation the other day, right? So the two positions, the chief vision officer is in replacement of the executive, okay? The idea of the chief vision officer is that they're the tip of the spear, they're where we're going in the direction, and often the CVO, CEO, right, CVO, doesn't know how to get there. And that's okay. And that's really, it's okay. In fact, visions are good if you're not sure how to get there yet. These are big, which is good, right? Um, the COO and the CFO, what they're really good about, the operations officers, the chief operations officer and the chief financial officer, they usually understand how the entire business operates, right? And so a lot of times the COO or CFO will be put into the CVO and it's not their strength. 
right? And so if you're a visionary and you're good at that, right, that needs to be the thing that you do. And the COO, you need to find somebody in your organization that is loves that kind of stuff, who's really organized. And you guys need to be on the same page about the actual vision mission. Um, so that way you can work together and actually grow it. The, the executive tries too much to manage instead of here's the vision and here's how we get everybody motivated. It kind of falls apart. Um, and if the CEO is in that position, they need to find some somebody to help them basically do it. So I love that. Um, so don't operate as a CEO, operate as a CBO. It's all about vision. If people know where you're going, you'll start figuring out how to get there. Okay. Okay, so there's a chapter on this thing called Will and Resources. Okay, so we're not gonna go through the entire chapter, but the idea is changing our language as leaders to how can I help versus what are you doing wrong? Okay. And there's a smile there and everyone's probably done this, but you oftentimes when you hire a new person, you're trying to make sure they're doing the thing right. And a lot of times if that happens, it turns into micromanagement and helicoptering. You know, this person to make sure like, are you doing it right? Are you doing it right? And that needs to be more like, how can I help you? And so he, he talks about the four seasons um, in, in his book um, and four seasons is a big hotel. I'm sure everyone's heard of having a conversation, bought a coffee, cup, cup of coffee and he's talking to this guy and the guy's like, I love working here. And Simon has this conversation. He's like, well, all the managers come by and they ask me, you know, how can I help you? How can I make your job easier? What can I get for you hungry? And they would never ask him about his job. <laughs> they would just be like, how can I help you? What can I do for you? Um, and there was this, this safety to, to tell his leader what's going on, this honesty, which is why with all the clients, we have this conversation about honesty. You want to have will, right? In order to have will, you need to be able to trust each other, will being motivation. At his other job, he said he hates working in this hotel because the manager's always looking around to try to see if you mess something up and then they ridicule you if you mess up or they get, they get angry at you. And so he tries to duck his head and instead of being innovative or enjoying his job, he just tries to get to the end of the day. So you need to switch your language to how can I help with everyone that you work with versus what are you doing wrong? Or like, oh, that's not right. You know, how can I help you? That's how it's always gotta be. So trusting teams, that name game um, and, and different, you know, like people do ropes course and all these different stuff. Those connect on a deeper level than where are we going? You know, what's, how's your life going? Where are you from? It, it, it goes on this level, what's called perspiration. Perspiration is just something when you do things with others, especially if it's new or difficult, you build a bond with people um, that you don't share with anyone else because you just did it with those people. And so when you can perspire, do things together, um, you're building a stronger, more cohesive team, which is why hopefully all these people will be back next time and maybe right, might bring a friend. Um, trusting teams develop high retention and, and versus the finite-minded low retention. Okay, so for example, he gives a, he gives a great example with Apple and, and retail industries. We're just use that as a, a random example. So Apple, what they do is they pay everyone, this is years ago at this point, I'm sure they pay more, but at some point they were paying 15 bucks an hour, which is way above minimum wage. Um, what's minimum wage, 725 right now. So they, they're entry level people, 15 bucks an hour. They give them 2,500 bucks for education every semester um, while they work there. And they also give them full benefits, health and dental and eye coverage, even if they're just working at the store, right? Or whatever, and, and they were doing that. And a lot of companies thought that was crazy because they thought, well, aren't they just gonna quit? You know, they're working some crummy job where it's just a stand-in, right? And those people were having terrible turnover. And so they invested no time, no money, nothing into their people. They just paid a minimum wage to, you know, basically man a retail store, right? Clothes or whatever at the mall, right? And as it turns out, Apple's retention rate was only 30%. And then the retention rate of the average retail company was 70%. 
Apple spent less and more money on the people. The retail spent more money on recruiting. It's the same money either way, and it just comes down to how you treat people, and it's an infinite mindset. You treat them as a necessary part of the team, someone that you want to invest in to further your just cause, or you treat them like numbers and profit, like a game where you're counting the score. So you want to swap your mindset to be that way. And if you pay them a little bit more and you give them the benefits or whatever, or you create a better situation, you worry less about turnover, or you can invest in recruiting and recruit like crazy. <laughs> so just building a better situation, paying people better and giving them benefits earlier. It happens, right? So it's real. Um, okay, so that's trusting teams. So with trusting teams, you avoid ethical fading. Okay, ethical fading is basically inte the integrity of the culture of your organization slowly running away. Basically, people start lying, cheating, they become toxic in order to get ahead and win. Um, in the sales industry, this happens a ton, okay? And a great example of this is Wells Fargo. So Wells Fargo, you know, they have all these salespeople, they get people in for bank accounts, and there was a lot of pressure like 20, 30 years ago. There was a huge fiasco where they um, sold, or they created 3.5 million fake bank accounts, okay? And the reason that happened is the leadership was putting so much pressure for results, it was unrealistic, no one could hit the metrics. And every time they didn't hit the metrics, the leaders were angry at them. They were upset with them, they were yelling at them, they were saying, if you don't do this, you're replaceable. Things like that that aren't great to build good culture. So what happened is when people were struggling, they would never tell leadership. When people didn't know what to do or how technically to be better, they wouldn't tell leadership because they were going to get their, their head ripped off, basically. And so what that turned into was about over 10 years, it was 2006 to 2011, um, 10 years of 3.5 million fake accounts that people would make. So it showed up on the paper that they're hitting their quota because that's they needed to hit these numbers because the numbers were more important than the people, right? And uh, in the sales industry, you might have seen that maybe happen before, not saying in this room. Um, but I've seen, I've seen that at my sales organization. If you didn't hit the number, we need to find somebody else. They went through that and that was just crazy. The pressure just makes you lose integrity, you start lying. So there's this Good, good Samaritan experiment that they did from this. And uh, they were working with some um, basically priests in training. Okay? It's like Jesuit school or something. And they had these soon to be preachers um, go give a talk about the Good Samaritan. Samaritan um, is, a, is a person in the Bible who weren't supposed to associate with Jews. There's an injured person on the ground. The Good Samaritan helps them and pays for their lodging and all that kind of stuff, right? So they're going to do the same exact experiment. So they say, hey, student, you're supposed to give a lecture on the Good Samaritan in the Bible, and you're supposed to go tell everybody um, about that so people will treat each other better. They say, okay. So they put them in three groups. Um, group number one is low pressure, like, hey, you're going to be right on time or a little bit early. Group two was medium pressure. You're going to be like right on time. And group three is like, you're late, hurry. So lots of pressure. Okay. And they placed a person who's injured in their way to go give the talk. And as they go and they're running to get to the talk, what they found was only 63% of the people with low pressure stopped to help the person injured as they were on their way to say, to tell people about the Good Samaritan. Isn't that crazy? So they're about to tell everybody, go be a good Samaritan. And 47% of people at low pressure skipped over. They're good people, good people. They wanna be preachers, they're good people. But the pressure caused them, even low pressure, to almost, more often than not, right, jump over the injured guy. So for the medium pressure, it was 45%, more than half, skipped over the injured person on their way to talk about the good Samaritan. And the high pressure, 10%. 
Kelt, 10%. The idea is, <laughs> as leaders, when we play the finite game, we're putting pressure on people, it's causing them to um, compromise their values, right? Because obviously, if we weren't busy, right, we would help that person. And we do that a lot as leaders, but this thing's more important than we forget about the just cause. And we start getting money focused and we start getting the scarcity mindset that we have to produce instead of just adding value to people and the money's gonna come. Because that's how it always would work in the book field. The book field where I used to sell books door to door. If you just helpful to people, it always seemed to work out. It was all about me, your sales were low <laughs> and you're stressed, right? Um, so that's what ethical fading is. And it will happen if you put pressure on it, on you, um, on others. And so you wanna, you wanna, it's an infinite game. There's no end or you're gonna sprint. Should you sprint, <laughs> right? Is it, is it ever good? Maybe, maybe sometimes for short periods. The worthy rival, so norm, everyone's got this person that they really don't like that outsells them a little bit, or they're, they're always the, the strengths, their strengths are your biggest weaknesses and you just, you kind of hate them for it a little bit, right? Everybody, everybody's got that, right? One person maybe. Okay, so I used to have that um, when I was selling too. And you need this person. A worthy rival is extremely needed. It's like having um, somebody who's as good at basketball, but they're a better three-point shooter and you're better down low. And they're like shooting these threes and you're scoring the two points and you're, you know, it's back and forth all the time and it's frustrating and they win sometimes, but you win others. That's kind of your worthy rival. Um, and you need those in business because they're gonna teach you and they're gonna push you to be better for your just cause. And where people mess up with this is they try to beat them, they try to win. Um, and there's a really good example of this. So, so BlackBerry phones, you remember all those, you know, small phones, they were, they were dominating, they were the second largest um, retail cell phone or, or cell phone company, and they were winning in business and uh, the, the legal environment, like government, because their phones had better security than iPhones. iPhones came out, iPhones started to do really well. They panicked because they wanted to win. They didn't want to lose to iPhone. So instead of saying, hey, you know what? Our just cause is to help people have better security and they have a cool interface for personal people, but we got security. So businesses and, and legal and, and government, like you guys need our phones because it's got good security. They were like, let's copy iPhone. We can beat them. And then their stuff just wasn't as good. And then because they went head to head and tried to compete, they just lost. So instead of just niching into the direction that they're good at, they try to copy. And usually when we try to copy and imitate, it's never as good as the original, right? So you need a worthy rival to learn from and also dif differentiate yourself from. And you know, there's, the world's big enough for the business that you wanna do and their business too. So you don't really need to worry about them. You need to find where you fit. And that's where the just cause comes in because if you're worried about the just cause and not profit, you're not gonna do that. The courage to lead, um, CVS, so their mission statement, I'll just quote it here, helping people on their path to better health. Um, about 20 years ago or 15 years ago, they, were, they sold cigarettes though. So their just cause is helping people on the path to health and they sell cigarettes. Doesn't make sense, right? The reason you need a just cause is because a lot of times there's ways to make money that you might actually not be that proud of. <laughs> um, at some point you might have to do some things, the ethical fading can come in, and you need that just cause to, to right your ship so you're doing the right thing. So what they did, is they stopped selling cigarettes. They lost $2 billion in revenue um, to do that, which is wild. And everyone thought they were crazy. And you know, there was like, all the finance gurus were like, wow, this is so dumb for the shareholders and all this kind of stuff. And so when they did that though, their nicotine patches went up and overall cigarette sales went down and they actually ended up recouping the cost on different products. Isn't that wild? But the fear, right? The finite, we're losing, we're losing this money, right? Versus people focus versus just cause, right? So you have to have the courage to lead, you have the courage to try something new, you know? Say that again? So different. So 
this little sum, summary of everything we kind of just talked about. But basically, if you if you have an infinite mindset and you, you actually have a just cause for why the heck you're doing what you're doing, not only will you not, you'll, you'll be motivated beyond belief. You'll have a team that's motivated beyond belief, but you'll have a really healthy culture of people who want to work hard, who want to further the cause because the cause is bigger than you. If you can further that cause, it will direct you in the directions that you need to go. And if you find a worthy rival who's doing something similar, you can differentiate, you can actually grow faster even with your competition and it doesn't matter what they're doing it's all about you furthering the fruit so here's the questions for you guys here's the take homes okay so what in your business is set up in a finite unsustainable way just think about that that is your that is your homework in question you need to figure out what are you doing finitely and then what are you doing infinitely and what needs to change okay, there's no point in doing this whole presentation and coming out here and spending an hour and a half um, with me although it's been great right um, if you're not going to do anything about it, so make sure you write down like one thing you're no matter what going to do from the presentation and actually do it and it'll make a massive difference. Okay. So what is finite? What is unsustainable? What is sustainable? What is infinite? And that'll be good. Reflection is the key. Spend some time reflecting on it with your team. If you don't have reflection built into your schedule, um, your schedule is likely running you. So you should have a time block of an hour a week thinking about what went well, what didn't and what you should actually be focusing on for the infinite game to further your just cause instead of just flying by the seat of your pants. So if you're a new member, a new member, scan over here. If you're a returning member or you're somebody I work with and I already you know, have all your information, scan this one. It's gonna ask you which book you wanna read. Um, and then how we can help you. There's like three, four questions on there. This episode is sponsored by Campus Cuts by Monica. Monica has been cutting hair for University of Tennessee students for more than 37 years. If you're a guy and you're going to UTK or you live within 15 to 20 minutes of campus, Monica is the place to go if you want a worry-free, stylish haircut that will make you stand out with the ladies. Did I mention she has a pool table and refreshments while you wait? Follow Campus Cuts by Monica on Instagram